0: chapter 20, and also as you're doing that, want to make the church aware, let me pull this up here, that um, unfortunately, uh, Richard Kaufman's mother passed away, uh, Josephine, this past Wednesday, and I'm going to give you a visitation and funeral Information now, but also want to let you know that Brett will, Pastor Brett will be sending an email out later today, and then you can also talk to Richard or Nat if you have any questions. But today from two to eight, there's a viewing at uh, R.G. and G.R. Harris. That's what it's called, funeral. Okay, R.G. and G.R. Harris. That's in Livonia on Farmington Road. And um, tomorrow there's a viewing at nine thirty and a mass at ten at Uh, St. Priscilla Catholic Church, St. Priscilla in Livonia. So again, we'll send that out on email, and you can talk to the Kaufmans if you have any questions about that. Okay, Exodus chapter 20, we are on the fifth commandment this morning, and so we just read through all ten commandments during our time of confession and pardon. We will just read the fifth commandment now. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says this. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, it was by your word that you created the heavens and the earth. Father, it was your word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And now, Father, it is by your word that your people are sanctified. So we ask now that you would sanctify us in the truth. Your word is the truth. We pray these things, our Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, who is the incarnate Word of God and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was growing up, I was a big Michael J. Fox fan. Obviously, I, uh, I loved be- all the Back to the Future movies, still do. But there was a period of time when I was super into the show Family Ties, Who remembers Family Ties? Give me a show. Okay, a bunch of you do. Family Ties. Yeah. Family Ties, if you don't know, was a sitcom. Ran from 1982 to 1989. So uh, I didn't get to watch it live because I'm so young. But when I was a little older, they would run uh, syndicated reruns, and they would be on it like 6 in the morning or like 5.30 or 6 in the morning. I don't know if it was on like TBS or what. But, and so like I'm in you know, middle school or whatever, late elementary, middle school, when the reruns. And I would have my dad, when he would get up for work, he always get up for work early, I would have him wake me up early before school so that I could watch Family Ties. I was into it. Of course, on Family Ties... Michael J. Fox played Alex P. Keaton. You guys remember that song, LFO? Michael J. Fox was Alex P. Keaton. Yeah, he was Alex P. Keaton. Um, And what's funny, okay, so he's Alex P. Keaton, and he's like this young Republican, you know, 1980s young Republican, and he is relentlessly pursuing get-rich-quick schemes. That's like every episode is like he's trying to figure out how to get... Rich Quick, and this certainly made for some situational comedy because his parents in the show were former liberal hippies, right? So it's a sitcom, right? Situational comedy. This is why it's funny because you have these, these old, old, the parents used to be hippies, they're progressive, and their son is like the young conservative Republican guy. So it made for a bit of a situation. Um, and, and again, this was this juxtaposition of liberal parents with a rebelling uh, conservative son was different than the stereotype that everyone's used to, right? Because the stereotypical scenario is that you have a child who is rebelling against more conservative parents by embracing progressivism. But family ties turned that trope on its head where their son rebelled by embracing. Reaganomics and all, all that uh, 1980s uh, Republican stuff. So while the, while the packaging of the show was novel, the idea was familiar though. Everybody was familiar with this, that what? What was at the core of the show? Children rebel against their parents, right? This, this might be a unique way of packaging it, but that was the situation that they found themselves in, that children rebel against their parents. And while family ties had this twist of liberal parents and a conservative kid, what we saw uh, through the 1980s and the 1990s in Hollywood and in media, we saw a shift away from the Andy Griffith, you know, Brady Bunch kind of family picture into this uh, a, a shift where authority figures. And fathers, in particular, were depicted on TV as untrustworthy. So think about a show like The Simpsons, which started in the late 80s. Uh, Homer Simpson is an idiot, right? That's part of the show. And his children mock him constantly. This is not unintentional. The writers of The Simpsons are catechizing us that authority figures are dumb and untrustworthy. That's what they're teaching us. And while the change in the American media, especially on television, happened, like I said, in the in the 80s and the 90s, you know, shows. Um, there's lots lots of uh, shows, you know, Married with Children, all the different kinds of shows where the shift was. The heart of the problem obviously goes back much further than that. And that's why when God gave his people the 10 commandments, one of those 10 commandments is to honor your father and your mother. As we move from the fourth commandment, commandment to the fifth commandment, there is a sense in which we are shifting from commandments that emphasize or teach clearly How we are to love the Lord our God, and we are moving to commandments that emphasize how we are to love our neighbor. Now, that might be a bit overly simplistic, but it is a helpful category. As you think through the first four commandments you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make an image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. These four commandments are teaching us how to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the latter six commandments, to honor your father and mother, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. Those commandments are teaching us how to love our neighbors as ourselves. So Jesus said that the law is summarized in the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. We can see that in the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments really are the summary of all of the 600 plus laws of the Old Covenant. And the fifth commandment in particular to honor your father and your mother is a bit of a bridge between the two groups. You see, the fifth commandment is without a doubt teaching us how to properly love and respect people, but they are people who represent God to us. First and foremost, our parents. Parents are the first picture of God in a child's life. And the fifth commandment reveals to us that we cannot honor God if we do not honor our parents. And honor is the key word here. The fifth commandment is not teaching mere obedience. The fifth commandment is teaching honor. Obedience, of course, is implied for children. But the fifth commandment is teaching us more than obedience. The fifth commandment instructs us that we are to honor our Father And mother. The the word honor, the Hebrew word kavod, it means to be heavy, to be weighted, to be honored. It's the same word that's used in the Old Testament for glory, for the glory of Yahweh, his honor, his kavod. So there's an inherent weight, there's an inherent glory. In parenthood, there is. Because, humanly speaking, we come from our parents. Anthropologically, it's our origin. No human being in the history of the world, with the exception of one, but we'll get to that in a minute, but no other human being in the history of the world has ever been born without the sperm of a father and the egg of a mother. Our culture can lie to themselves all they want, but that is the truth. That's how people are born. We come from our father and our mother. No one is born ever without a father and a mother. And God's people here in the fifth commandment are called to honor their father and mother. This is not just a command for little kids. Some of you, I think, might be a bit too comfortable with the fifth commandment because you think it doesn't apply to you anymore. Some people treat the fifth commandment as if it's kids' Sunday school in the middle of the 10 commandments. Just so we are clear this morning, the fifth commandment is for everyone. Everyone in the gathering, not just the kids. Now, there's no doubt, let's not overthink this one, right? There's no doubt that obedience, the obedience of children is a big part of the fifth commandment. And as people grow up in the community of faith, I mean, there's a reason why one of the 10 has to do with family and parenthood and uh, children and parents. So it's not less than that, but it is much more than that. In fact, the obedience of children would not have been questioned in the ancient Near East. Parents didn't view children then how our culture views children now. Because kids are running the home in our culture now. In our exceptionally therapeutic culture that we live in, we embrace individual autonomy to the extreme. Everyone is encouraged to express themselves. And sometimes you just shouldn't do that, you know? But, but that's not how we live. Children are encouraged to live their own truth, things like that, uh, to the point now where our own government encourages children uh, to undergo sex changes. I mean, it's madness. We live in madness, but what's the core of it? The core of it is individual autonomy run amok. We know better than God does. That's what the core of it is. We think we know better than God does and we're abusing our children in the process. But this was not the case in the ancient Near East. Uh, In the ancient Near East, they would not have been confused about who was in charge in the home, whether it was uh, children. Honestly, it was, it was a patriarchal culture. Uh, there, it, was, it was a dictatorship and it wasn't usually benevolent either. Um, they wouldn't have had the same issues that we have in this regard. Uh, the way that most of the history of the world, honestly, the way people have parented stands in sharp contrast to how parenting is viewed today. For most of the history of humanity, it's been unquestioned that children are to obey their parents. That's been a supra-cultural reality, regardless of skin color, regardless of religion, regardless of region of the world you lived in, people have always understood that children are to obey their parents. Now those who have faith understand that's because Parents are the God-given authority to their children, and parents have the responsibility of raising and disciplining their children to be responsible citizens. That's the bare minimum, right? Obviously, the goal is we're raising children to love and follow Jesus. But even people who aren't Christians throughout the history of the world have understood that they are to raise their children to be responsible citizens. So there's no doubt that there's... One element of the fifth commandment is that children are to obey their parents. Amen. But the fifth commandment is applicable to us for every age. The fifth commandment never goes out of style. The fifth commandment instructs adult children to honor their parents, to appropriately prize their parents to care for them, to show them affection, to respect them. And God took this very seriously. God took the fifth commandment so seriously, in fact, that at this time, it was a capital offense to break the fifth commandment. I remember being a kid and thinking, boy, I'm glad I don't live in Old Testament times because I would definitely be dead for how much I disobey my parents, like, there was, I was convinced of that. As if, under the old covenant, like a kid would disobey once and they'd take them out and stone them. Right? Okay, they weren't doing that, in case you're still confused about that. That's, that's not exactly how it, it operated. Um, but, but children, especially older children who lived in, in perpetual um, public rebellion, they would be dealt with seriously. And it was a capital offense. Children who dishonored their parents, children who didn't care for their parents, would face the prospect of capital punishment. Death. It was, it was serious. We know that God takes it seriously. Not only by the punishment but also by the promise that he attaches to the fifth commandment. If you look again at verse 12, Yahweh says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God will give you. So not only is there, is there punishment for disobedience, but there's a promise attached to obedience. The other day, Andrew and I were talking about how we always used to think that our grandpa must have been the most obedient child who ever lived because when we were little, he was, he was in like his 70s and 80s. And when we were small, and he lived to 102. thought, man, he really obeyed his parents. <laughs> of course, that was bad hermeneutics. Because the fifth commandment does not promise long life to everyone who obeys his or her parents. Remember, when you're reading the Old Testament, an important element of interpretation is the covenantal horizon. What covenant is this story happening under? Uh, If you're reading an Old Testament passage, one of the first questions that you have to ask yourself is is what covenant? You know, if I'm reading in Exodus, okay, this is tied to the Old Covenant. If I'm reading in Genesis, which covenant is this connected with? So the promise for long days in the land that God gave them was specifically tied to the Old Covenant. It was tied to Israel and it was tied to the Promised Land. Honor your father and mother and if you do so, you old covenant Jewish people, you will live in the land of Israel for a long time. But if you don't, then you won't. And that's what happened. Israel did not keep the fifth commandment. And and that's in part why they experienced the exile. When you read through Kings and Chronicles and some of the prophets like Jeremiah, the prophets are indicting them for breaking the covenant. And that's why God is kicking them out of the land. And so, so w- here's what you don't do, okay? Don't read the fifth commandment and say, if I obey my parents, I'm going to live to 100, like guarantee, okay? Bad hermeneutics. Primary application that was for Israel in the promised land. They broke it. That's why they were exiled. Now, um, there is some truth to, while it's not a promise, like a pattern of life reality. For example, kids who are taught to obey and honor their parents will honor and obey all of the authorities in their life, and there's a greater chance for living longer because you're not in trouble with the law, or you're not getting fired, or whatever. There is, there's some periphery application that can be made to a pattern of life, but it's not a guarantee of protection against illness, or against accident, or that's just bad hermeneutics. So reject that. First and foremost, the application was for Israel, and they didn't keep it so they didn't get to stay in the land. That was the exile. Um, but again, there is God has ordered the world in such a way that learning honor and obedience to authority, beginning with your own parents, does produce human flourishing. Living the good life begins with honoring your parents. If you won't honor your parents, you won't honor the other authorities in your life, And that will lead to all sorts of problems. That's because that's what sin does. Sin leads to death. And that's why we need Jesus. Because Jesus is the only person who ever truly followed the fifth commandment. And because Jesus is the fulfillment of the fifth commandment. Jesus followed the fifth commandment and Jesus fulfilled the fifth commandment. First, Jesus followed the the fifth commandment. Jesus always honored his parents. And I want to be very particular about that. Jesus always honored his parents because Jesus didn't always obey his parents. But if Jesus disobeyed his parents, it's because his parents were wrong. Think about when Jesus was 12 and they travel uh, to the temple and his parents leave without him, and they freak out, you know, they think he's with his cousins or something, and they get like a day or two in, and they got to go back and get him. And they come back, and they find Jesus, and what is he doing? He's asking questions to the teachers in the temple. Jesus is basically teaching theology at the temple at 12, Luke 2, 41 through 52, and Mary and Joseph are like, what the heck, Jesus? You know, maybe they called him Josh, I don't know. What are you doing, Josh? And uh, Jesus was like, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Like, Jesus understood his messianic mission better than they did, even at 12. Jesus was doing gospel-centered ministry, right? And he had to correct his, his parents on it. But you know what it says then in verse 51? It says that Jesus went back to Nazareth with them and that Jesus was submissive to them. Think about in Mark chapter 3. Jesus is an adult at this point. His family, including Mary, are outside. Jesus is in a house. He's teaching. Mary and some of his brothers and sisters are outside, and they're trying to stop him. They're trying to shut down the Christ-centered preaching that Jesus is doing, and they're saying he's out of his mind. Listen, guys, sorry, he's lost it. He's gone crazy. Get my son out here. We'll get him to stop And and they said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and your sisters, they're outside. They're saying you're crazy. They're telling you to stop. And what does Jesus say? He says, my mother and my brothers are those who do the will of my father. So Jesus disobeyed his parents when they were enticing him to sin. But Jesus always honored his parents. One of the last words that Jesus ever spoke before his death came on the cross when Jesus was speaking to John and Mary, and Jesus commanded John to take care of Mary as if she was his own mother. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. John 19, 26 through 27. So even as he's dying on the cross, bearing the wrath of God for the sins of the elect— Jesus was honoring his father and his mother. Jesus also taught us that we should be obedient to the fifth commandment. Um, Pastor Bobby read in our call to worship from Mark chapter 7, verses 8 through 13, where Jesus rebuked the religious leaders for this tradition they called Corbin. Corbin basically meant that you could neglect your elderly parents By saying, I can't spend my money on taking care of them because my money has been set aside for God. Jesus says, you have a fine way of breaking the commandments of God to keep your own silly made-up commandments. And he says they're breaking the fifth commandment. He literally quotes it. And Bobby read it. So Jesus modeled it for us, Jesus taught it to us, but Jesus came not only to keep the fifth commandment, he did, perfectly, every second of his life, in thought, word, and deed, by what he did and by what, he didn't leave it undone. Jesus kept the fifth commandment, he taught the fifth commandment, but Jesus most ultimately came to fulfill the fifth commandment and all of the law of God. Jesus fulfills the fifth commandment by bringing us into God's family. Even though we have not honored our heavenly father, Jesus reveals God as father to us. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's why in the creed we confess we believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But the problem is that there's not a person alive who has ever fully honored their parents. We are all born in sin from Adam's fall. And as a result, none of us honors properly honors our earthly parents and none of us properly honors our heavenly father either. Romans 3.10 says, no one is righteous and no one seeks after God. So much for being seeker sensitive. No one's seeking after God. But to save us from our sin, from our law-breaking sin, the son of God, The eternal second person of the Holy Trinity became a man in the incarnation when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So Jesus is the only human who's ever lived uh, without the sperm of a father and the egg of a mother because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born of the Virgin Mary. And the Son honored his heavenly Father in his obedience to come and save his people. Philippians 2, 5-7 says Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus lived a truly human life yet without sin. So not only did Jesus perfectly keep the fifth commandment, but Jesus kept all of God's law, every jot, every tittle, in word, thought, and deed. And then Jesus obeyed his Father when he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians 2.8. And when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested, he prayed, Father, if you are willing... Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus then offered his righteous life to the Father on the cross in exchange for the wrath against the sins of his people, the elect. And Jesus paid the penalty of death and Jesus was buried. He was so dead that they buried him. But because Jesus was righteous, death could not keep him. And so three days later, Jesus resurrected from the dead, and his resurrection vindicated everything that Jesus ever said, and it vindicated everything that Jesus ever did. Jesus truly is the Savior. Jesus truly is God. Jesus is the one in whom we find the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life. And with his resurrection from the dead, what Jesus is doing is he's creating a new family. Through the gospel of Jesus, the Father adopts all who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 18 through 19 says, for through him... That's Jesus. We, have, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We have access to the Father by the Spirit through Jesus. So then you are no longer strangers and, and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Right before church this morning, we were in a new members class about to baptize and bring in some new members and a healthy portion of our conversation was about how Christ Community Church is a family, that we view ourselves that way, that we operate that way, that we feel that way. That's what's happening because our brother Jesus brings us to our Heavenly Father and we are adopted eternally. We are the family of God. Jesus said in Matthew twelve fifty, whoever does the will of my Father in Heaven is my brother and sister and mother. We are made a part of God's family because of the obedience of our brother, Jesus. So as we consider then how we are to keep the fifth commandment at Christ Community Church in 2023, the first thing we have to note is that apart from faith in Jesus, it is impossible to keep the fifth commandment. If you're not a Christian, you cannot keep the fifth commandment. And you cannot keep any of God's law. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. You must repent of your sins and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. To repent of your sins means to turn from your sin and turn toward Jesus. It means to acknowledge that you are a sinner who needs God's forgiveness. You must also, though, have faith in Christ. You must know, you must have knowledge that God is holy and that you are a sinner. And that it is only through the person and work of Jesus Christ alone that you can be made right with God. You must assent to the validity of those truth claims. You have to actually believe that they're real. And finally, you must transfer your trust to Jesus alone. That means that if you were to stand before God today and he were to ask you why he should forgive your sins and grant you eternal life, that the only answer you can give is because you're trusting in Jesus. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. After we believe in Jesus... We then must think through, as New Covenant Christians, how we apply the fifth commandment. Because for us, the Old Covenant law is scripture, but it is not law. These are important distinctions. For Israel, the Old Covenant was both scripture and law, right? It was their Bible, it was their Word of God, it was their religious text, but it was also the law of their land. For us, the Old Testament is scripture. But it is not law. So we, we will apply the fifth commandment differently than Old Covenant Israel. Only the moral use of the law still applies to us. There's three use, The, the, the reformed tradition has always talked about the three uses of the law. The civil, the ceremonial, and the moral. Only the moral use of the law still stands because the civil and the ceremonial uses of the law were fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, they're, they're, it's not like we're arbitrarily doing away with them because Jesus came. Like The whole reason they existed was to bring us to Jesus. And now that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, they are fulfilled. But the moral use is still applies. So the first application, the first application, Violet needs to listen to this. The first, <laughs> the first she is not honoring. The first application, uh, don't, you don't have to take her out, Chrissy, I don't care. Uh, The the but this is the first one. Children should obey their parents. Okay, Violet. All of all the children. Um, The fifth commandment is more than a command for children to obey their parents, but it is not less than a command for children to obey their parents. And so, right now, I'm going to speak to everyone in the room, predominantly maybe who's under the age of 18. And maybe you feel like sometimes the sermons don't apply to you. Maybe you feel like if we talk about husbands and wives, or jobs, or this or that, that what doesn't really apply to you. Well, right now, I'm speaking directly to you. If you are a child, here, in the Bible, and in the fifth commandment, God is telling you to obey your parents. The New Testament makes this clear in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Paul quotes the fifth commandment, just like Jesus did in the call to worship. Paul says, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land.'" Paul echoes the same sentiment in Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. The clear revelation of Scripture is that parents are the first picture of God in a child's life, and so children must be obedient to their parents. Kids, when you disobey your parents, you are sinning against God. When you honor and obey your parents, you are glorifying God. But as we mentioned before, the fifth commandment requires more than the obedience of children to their parents. The fifth commandment is applicable to everyone at every point in their lives. Even if your parents have already passed, it's applicable to all of us. Adult children, of course, are not required to obey their parents But we're all required to honor our parents. For some of us, this is very easy. Because we were raised by faithful, godly parents who loved us and raised us in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. For me, I don't have a lot of mental or emotional issues to struggle with when I think that I should honor my parents. I don't, I'm thankful. But I know that's not true for everybody. It's not true for all of you. Some of you were raised by abusive parents. Some of you were abandoned by your parents. Some of you come from broken homes. Maybe some of you were raised by good, upstanding citizens Who reject Jesus or maybe even hate Jesus? How do you follow the fifth commandment if you're in one of those situations? Now, we live in a broken world, and so sometimes things are extreme, and maybe some of you need to cut off your relationship with your parents for your own health and safety. That's a possibility. I mean, the world is depraved, and there are certainly situations where that is necessary. Some of you may have a polite but shallow relationship with your parents. Some of you might fight like cats and dogs with your parents, but at the end of the day, you guys just love each other, you know, and you're just wild, you know, maybe that's how you do it. Others have a great relationship with their parents. Regardless of your situation, we must honor our parents insofar as we are able. From the worst of parents to the best of parents, everyone is a sinner. So all parents are wrong to one degree or another in how they raise their children. The best parent who ever lived sinfully did wrong things. At the same time, everyone is created in the image of God. So unless you have a parent who has completely seared their conscience to the point where they are pure evil, and listen, those do exist. Unless, and you know, and you need to just be away from them for your own health unless that's the case, then because they're created in the image of God, no matter how messed up they are, there are qualities they can be honored for, right? You can find something that you can be thankful to God for, that you can honor them for. Now, that leads us to our next application point. Parents, we must be parents worthy of honor, We do so by rightly teaching our children and by disciplining our children. Positively, we're called to teach our kids about Jesus. That doesn't simply mean that you bring them to church, you know, dump them off at Kids Sunday School, and, you know, Jeanette Mao can parent my children, or whoever else. We're thankful for Jeanette Mao and all of our children's workers. But I'm going to stand before Jesus for my children. That burden, that responsibility is on me. And so while we have kids, leaders, and teachers who partner with us, parents, this is your responsibility to teach your children about Jesus. Don't bring them to church and then you don't say a word about Jesus Monday through Saturday. And this especially lays at the feet of us dads. Dad, you are the pastor of your home, whether you want to be or not. You are. Talk to your kids about Jesus. Talk to them about the sermon. Talk to them about their Sunday school lesson. Read the Bible together. Pray together. Just, just talk to them. Talk to them like Jesus is real. Not like it's the weird religious thing we do on Sunday and then we live our normal life. We're not nominal. Man, Jesus is like really the king. We all get that, right? He's, you, you can't see him, but he's really the king. And he's really coming again. So like, let's live like that's true. Let's talk to our kids like that. That's how that happens positively. Again, you know, we're talking general here, very general. But negatively, it, it has to happen through discipline. And of course, our culture has outsmarted itself in thinking that we're too advanced for disciplining our children. But the result is that we've raised children who run amok. Sometimes, or or, not sometimes, actually, uh, Scripture commands us to discipline our children, and specifically, Scripture commands us for young children to spank them. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod he will save his soul from Sheol. I think God put that in there for some of you moms who think a spanking might kill your kids. He says if you strike him with a rod, he will not die. But you know what? You might save him from hell. Children must be taught that there is an authority greater than them. There is right and wrong, and there are consequences for sin. Fifth commandment begins, of course, with parents and children, but it can be more broadly applied. And uh, Pastor Zach, when he read from our historical reading in the Westminster Catechism, that's how they applied it. It can be more broadly applied to all of the rightful authorities in our lives. So God calls us to submit to those in authority over us. Biblically speaking, wives are called to submit to their husbands. Children are called to submit or obey their parents. The church is called to submit to the elders. If you work, you have a boss that in some sense you are called to submit to. We are all called to obey the government insofar as the government doesn't forbid what God commands or the government doesn't command what God forbids. We are to submit to all of the rightful authorities in our lives. But the fifth commandment also calls us positively to function as the family of God. The church is called to care for those who don't have parents. Orphans, children in bad homes, kids with parents who don't believe. The Bible commands older women to train younger women and older men to train younger men. Likewise, we should care for our spiritual parents, older church members who don't have children or family to care for them, widows. We should treat them as if they are our own parents. Again, when we say that church is a family, it's not hyperbole. It's not merely sentiment. No, we must be brothers and sisters to each other. We must be spiritual parents and children to each other. Finally, the fifth commandment requires us to remember our spiritual heritage. We need to be the kind of church that honors our parents in the faith. And I don't just mean our actual parents, and I don't just mean uh, the spiritual giants of Christ Community Church past, though we should. But we should appropriately honor men like Adam, and Noah, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Judah, and Moses, and Joshua, and Ruth and King David, and King Solomon, and Isaiah, and Daniel, and Ezra, and Nehemiah, and Paul, and Peter, James, and John, Origen, and Tertullian, and Polycarp, and Athanasius, and Augustine, and Aquinas, and Luther, and Calvin, and John Bunyan, and Charles Spurgeon, B.B. Warfield, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and all of the other men and women who have come before us. and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We run our race primarily by looking to Jesus, but we are also surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have run this race before us. The church triumphant cheers us on as we seek to persevere to the end. And for that, we should be thankful. The fifth commandment requires us to honor our father and our mother, but we can only do that when we look to Jesus, who honored his father in heaven by his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it is only when we are in Christ that we can honor our father in heaven. We are adopted by the father through the son, and we honor our father by the power of the spirit. So this morning, look to Jesus because it is only in him that we have our family ties to the Father. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask us now that you would keep your promise, that your word would not return void and that the gates of hell would not prevail against your church Father, you tell us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, and so we ask, as your word was preached, as we sought to magnify your Son, Jesus, through the fifth commandment, that your gospel would be applied by the Holy Spirit, and it would change any dead hearts in the gathering this morning. Father, we pray for new life, Father, we pray that we would be a people who rightly honor authority because it is ordained by you that we would honor our parents and all of the rightful authorities in our lives to the degree that we are able, and that we would do so, Father, for your glory and for our good. Father, we ask now as we come to the Holy Eucharist that we would be especially aware that this is a family meal, that every week at Holy Communion we are dining with our Father in heaven and our brother Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Strengthen our faith, we ask. Father, save. We ask that that even now as your gospel is pictured. It has been preached and now it's pictured in the sacrament that hearts would be raised from the dead. We ask your blessing because of Jesus and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.